Good afternoon. Welcome to North Point of View here with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, how are you? I'm great, man. And you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, last couple of segments, it's been back to the future, right? We've, uh, we've talked about uh, Japan going back to the late 80s. Uh, to China today. Yeah, we went to uh, went to Betamax. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> with the EVs, um, and so now I'm going to go back to uh, I, I, early '90s, mm -hmm. uh, the movie Wall Street with the uh, the famous Gordon Gecko line, uh, "Greed is good." Right. And um, uh, I'm going to throw a parallel that uh, Dr. Kimsey's quote is uh, inflation is good. And uh, I'll, uh, I'm just going to throw that out and let you respond to it. Yeah. Well, let me, let me adjust it. Some inflation is good. Right. I grew up in Brazil. And when I was growing up, inflation was at 50%. And it kept going up and up 60, 70. Then Brazil, the oil crisis happened. Uh, the Arab oil embargo, oil prices went from $3 a barrel, $3.50 a barrel, actually, to $10.50 a barrel. And Brazil, which was China at the time, they built their economic model on uh, being able to use cheap labor and cheap oil to make stuff to sell to developed markets. Once the oil wasn't cheap, and they imported 99% of the oil that they produced, that they, 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 they imported 99% of their oil, they couldn't afford the prices. Their pricing was not competitive with other countries. And uh, China, Brazil slowly started to spiral downwards. And in order to hide all of the bad things, and this is one of the things China could do to get rid of its debt problem, they got the printing press and started yeah. printing. And inflation shot up to about 200%. I went back some years later during college, spent a year teaching English. And I remember inflation was running two to, to 200 to 220%. And then it um, exploded into the thousands of percent, but I'd already left by then. And what you did in Brazil at the time was you got your paycheck, you cashed it, you ran to the black market and you bought dollars. You tried not to hang on to any Brazilian cruzero. Same in Zimbabwe today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is really not a hyperinflation bad thing, yeah, okay? It's rough. So when does hyperinflation begin? And I'm going to argue that hyperinflation starts once you tick over 4%. And that's why the Fed was so panicked. Uh, back in the day, um, back when we had a real uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, Paul Volcker, who is not a lawyer, okay, but a real economist. And Paul Volcker is the one who broke the back of inflation. But that was a different world. We had fast-growing working age population. Right. And uh, we had problems with oil prices. And so, you know, the, the response that the Fed had had was to print too much money to solve our recession issues. But since you can't make more stuff if you don't have oil, all that did is increase demand, but not increase supply. So inflation took off. And when we hit 4% in a lot of the union contracts, so this is before Reagan went and beat up the unions, 4% was the cost of living adjustment. So as long as inflation didn't go over 4%, you got the same pay. You went over 4%, then you started to have to uh, pay the workers more, give them a 4% rate. And then what you would do as a company, sorry, 4% raise, and then you would raise your prices. And this is where the wage price spiral began. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I think the Fed's recent 
efforts and, and, and explanations for why they went after inflation so hard is because they're ignorant. They forgot. There is no wage price spiral unless you have some automatic cost of living adjustment in place. Uh, so we put 4% in. It could be that in Europe it would only be 3%, you know, because the Germans remember wheelbarrows of cash being taken on the road to go buy, you know, a pack of cigarettes. So it could be three, it could be four, it could be five. And so that's, to me, somewhere around there, all of a sudden the workers get angry, they get a couple of strikes, and next thing you know, we, we agree to a COLA adjustment, and that's it. So Milton Friedman, back then, the Nobel laureate, said that he thinks inflation target should be 2%. He didn't say zero. And uh, there were a lot of economic commentaries about this, you know, should the, the, the Fed's inflation target be 0%? And I read un an unbelievable number of really stupid academic articles. And, and, and I say this with quite a bit of bitterness because the reason you can tell that it shouldn't be 0% is if you look across the economy, you've got old industries that used to be young industries, you know, like the, the uh, cereal industry. You know, 150, 200 years ago, everybody made cereal. And then some companies learn how to buy up other companies and get scale economies and underprice everybody else, buy them up. And next thing you know, how many cereal producers are there in America? And the top four companies probably have a 95% share. So that's very oligopolized. You know, you can not use that word if you don't want to, but the reality is it's an oligopoly. And so it's easier for an oligopoly to raise prices and hold them up because they can see each other. But when you have an industry that's got 50,000 companies in there and more and more companies joining in because it's a new technology, you can't keep track of what the other guys are doing. So I start the personal computer. I'm IBM. I'm selling it for $5,000 a, a computer. And then all of a sudden, some company from Japan is doing the same thing. Then we had Radio Shack. Do you remember the Trash 80? Yeah. Okay, that, the Commodore computer. And these guys start showing up, and the prices are crashing. Yeah, and there's some efficiencies built in, but it's a lot of just competition, right? Raw competition. Exactly. And now you look at these technology companies yeah. who are introducing new technology, which drives productivity growth. And the higher productivity growth is, the less inflation there is, because productivity growth means you're getting more and more and more from your inputs, right. which means supply is increasing, and that puts downward pressure on, on inflation. And so uh, when I look at the industries and I look at the very new ones, the technology, computers, PCs, you know, cell phones, etc., and then I start working my way towards the older ones, like cereal, diapers, whatever, the inflation rates for these industries are not the same. Right. And the way the, these, these stupid macro articles work is everything is the same. We all buy the same stuff. We all, and all the stuff is the same. We wear bread. We, 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 we eat bread. We sleep in bread. I mean, it's, it's, when you think about the oversimplification in these models, you start coming up with really stupid answers. And so a 0% inflation rate may look elegant mathematically, but the mathematical model you built represents no universe that any human being has ever lived in. Right. So when you start breaking it down into the industries, and that's what Milton Friedman did, and he said, wait a minute, we don't want zero percent. What proportion of the economy do you want that's in, that struggles with pricing power? Do you want stuck 
you know, over here. All right, you want to set these 0%, get rid of that target, put it to 2%, and more of the distribution of industries that, that especially the part that struggles with, am I making sense to you? I mean, it's, yeah. I'm seeing stuff in my head, and I don't know if I'm conveying it correctly. But that part of the distribution has to be cared for because it's the new industries that drive growth. And if you target 0% inflation, you're making it really, really hard for a new company to emerge and drive productivity growth for the economy and take this into the future. And so a 0% target is bad. Uh, Friedman proposed 2%. And I think that answer is also wrong. I think what the Fed should be doing, and this should be a regular feature, is look at all of these segments of the economy and then put them on a chart, which ones are struggling with deflation, how bad is the, the, you know, the, the, the negative pricing power, up till we get to the ones that are very oligopolized or practically monopolized, like the airline industry, three airlines, 90-some percent of the market. Right. So we look at their inflation, and then we say, okay, what should our target be? How do we make sure that these old, older industries that are oligopolistic are not benefiting at the expense of the newer industries. Right. How do we stimulate this? And then that should be how you set your inflation target. That doesn't mean you can say, oh, oh we think uh, 8% inflation is great. No, no, no. I think 8%, you start creating problems with the labor force. They get angry and they insist that there's a coal agreement in their contract. And that coal agreement would create a wage price spiral. And so in my mind, plot everybody's inflation, try to find something that's that supports the growth parts of the economy, but don't get carried away. You know, if, if the answer you come up with is too high, then the answer is no. We can't afford very high inflation rates, even if we're trying to make the economy grow very quickly. Yeah, and I think you're, what you're, uh, the point you're making is, is really interesting in that, you know, it's, it's not one answer. Right, it's a trade-off. And there's 10 to 15 lens right off the bat mm -hmm. that we should be looking through. Not one number that gets batted around the media. Yeah, exactly. So the Fed says 2%. There is no justification for 2%. Yeah. It's nonsense. 2%. Why 2%? Well, Milton Friedman Milton. said so. <laughs> when did he say that? 1980. Hello, it's 2023. Can we think about this for a minute? And that's the problem. Well, you've got these, you know, dum dums on the Federal Open Market Committee and the, the Fed. Sorry, the the, uh, uh, the 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 Policy Setting Committee for the Fed, and they throw around some number that they can't justify. Yeah, it's just made up. And and this is what takes a market based economy that's vivacious like America, and suddenly we're more like communist Russia because the Comit Bureau has said that it must be 2%. Why 2%? Doesn't matter. The Politburo said 2%. I don't know, I don't know where the original line came from, but it's like, don't push baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you'll excuse my, my little tinge of emotionalism there, but you know, I just to watch this for most of my career, all I can think of is, what is wrong with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot more to that. Well, we started with greed is good. Um, you know, I, I really like the, the perspective you have on that to sort of 
take this conversation that's been dumbed down in the media and to sort of illuminate it and push it all around the room so that you can see, um, you know, the, the hundred, you know, visual images of our economy rather than dumbing it down to a simple static irrelevant number. Exactly. And, and static irrelevant mathematical models, simple to use, completely disconnected from reality. Yeah. So that's where we are. All right. Hey guys. Take care. Good being with you. Thanks, Walter. Great.